And the idea is to give individuals some support as they set and strive and meet their fitness goals, and at the same time, raising some money for a great cause. Tonight on the KRBD Evening Report, Search is kicking off an annual campaign April 1st to promote fitness and raise money for a cause. The city of Wrangell is looking to buy the site of its former sawmill to invigorate the local economy, and at-home COVID test kits are readily available, but some aren't storing or using them correctly. Those stories and more coming up. First, a look at the local weather. Rain tonight with lows around 40 degrees, southeast winds to 15 miles per hour. Rain Friday with highs in the mid-40s, southeast winds to 15 miles per hour. Scattered rain showers Friday night, lows around 40 degrees, southeast winds to 15 miles per hour. Rain heavy at times Saturday, highs in the mid-40s, southeast winds to 20 miles per hour. Rain Saturday night, lows around 40 degrees, southeast winds to 25 miles per hour. Rain Sunday. You're listening to the KRBD Evening Report. I'm your host, Maria Dudzak. Southeast Alaska's Regional Health Consortium is inviting the public to join a physical activity campaign, Move for a Cause, for the month of April. The spring initiative aims to encourage physical fitness and well-being and will generate donations to a nonprofit cause this year to Southeast Alaska Independent Living, or SAIL. Doug Osborne is a health educator with Search based in Sitka. He says the four-week program is for all ages and abilities in Southeast Alaska. And the idea is to give individuals some support as they set and strive and meet their fitness goals, and at the same time, raising some money for a great cause. Each week, participants set a fitness goal and track progress. Osborne says it can be anything from walking the dog to biking, running, gym or pool time, or whatever is available. So I think this is a good chance to really think about what part does physical fitness play in my life. And for a lot of people, it's, it's getting outside, it's getting fresh air, it's seeing what's going on in your community, in your neighborhood, and it's getting those kind of uh, feel-good chemicals flowing through your body as you um, are moving. And I think it's just connected to so many parts of health, not just your physical health, not just how well you'll sleep, but your mental health, your emotional health. Participants submit weekly progress towards their goal, and at the end of the four weeks, Search will make a donation on each person's behalf to SAIL. Janine Allen is an independent living advocate with SAIL based in Haines. They have centers in Juneau, Sitka, and Ketchikan that support seniors and people with disabilities. We're really grateful that Search selected SAIL as a cause worth moving for. Allen says in Haines, they're seeing a wide variety of community needs going into the third year of the pandemic. SAIL works to help people connect with programs and resources from housing to medical care and food aid. We're seeing a lot of need across the community for things like uh, heating oil, especially with prices so high. That's been a real need. Um, We're seeing a lot of food insecurity, so trying to help connect people, make sure they have access to Salvation Army resources, um, the senior center lunches if they're eligible, that sort of thing. Search's Doug Osborne says last year's Move for a Cause had over 700 participants and donated over $3,000 to the nonprofits Coast Alaska and the Southeast Alaska Food Bank. And they hope to meet that goal or higher this year. 
The program starts Friday, April 1st. For more information or to sign up, you can go to search.org slash move for a cause. When Wrangell's sawmill shut down in the 1990s, it devastated the community. The island lost a quarter of its jobs and around a third of its income. Now, as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, the local government is taking steps to buy the nearly 40-acre waterfront industrial property in an effort to reinvigorate the local economy. At its peak, the Wrangell Lumber Company mill employed almost 250 people and brought in well over $10 million a year. In the late 1990s, the site had a bit of a revival when it was purchased by Dick and Betty Bueller as a part of their logging operation, Silver Bay Logging. But they filed for bankruptcy in 2003. Now the property sits mostly empty. Real estate agent Bennett McGrath says the property owner, Betty Bueller, was ready to let it go. She said she felt like she was straddled with a dead horse with the mill site because she had been through so much financial expenditure with regards to remediation and cleaning it up and closing it up. The old mill had been on the market since 2019, 854 days according to McGrath. Now there's a pending sign on the gate under the logo of Petersburg-based Anchor Properties. That's because the city and borough of Wrangell has put in an offer on the site for two and a half million dollars. Wrangell Finance Director Mason Valarma says he thinks that's a pretty good deal. You know, it's 40 acres at 2.5 million, and if you look at the at the uh, housing market and just the land available in Wrangell, uh, 2.5 million makes a lot of sense for 40 acres. It's hard for somebody like me to even find a house and property. If the sale goes through, then what will Wrangell do with a former mill property? Borough officials have a range of ideas. For Wrangell Mayor Steve Prasanka, the property has promised because of its features. The site is a deep water port, opening the possibility of larger commercial vessels. In Ketchikan, for example, the former pulp mill site pivoted from timber to tourism and is now a cruise ship dock. Sitka's former mill site became a deep water port and industrial park. What we what we didn't really want to see it used for was sort of parceled out into small lots and sort of lose that the ability for a larger application. We've had people approach the city over the years with ideas, but because we ha- we didn't control it, it wasn't ours, we couldn't pursue things with folks. He says, for example, former Governor Frank Murkowski recently introduced borough officials to a tourism industry executive who had some ideas for the former mill site. Prasanka declined to name the person. But without the mill in public hands, Prasanka says there's not much the borough can do to spur investment. Well, we can't, we can't do anything with that because we don't have site control. We can't negotiate or talk to that person or, or get excited or generate ideas because we don't have site control. Now, if that person wanted to come back after we own it and wanted to talk about that, that could be a possibility. Borough Finance Director Valarma has ideas beyond tourism, maybe a processing facility for a mine or something mariculture related. Obviously, all these ideas are preliminary, but um, I think it's a vital step in Wrangell because the you know economic expansion in Wrangell is tough with our uh, geography. And so this is a key step in being able to, to move forward. Valarma says they're also looking into partnerships with a wide variety of organizations, everyone from the local tribal government to Alaska Marine Lines and Sea Alaska. I have no doubt that that 2.5 million will be returned, you know, 10 times over in the borough's future. Persanka says he actually hopes the borough won't be the long-term owner of the former mill property. My dream would be that we're able to turn around and sell that mill property to somebody that wants to 
build something out there and invest in the community and we recoup all of our funds in a short period of time. The property has already been extensively cleaned up to state and federal environmental standards, but there's still areas that need to be cleared of junk and machinery. If all goes smoothly, the borough could close on the property in June. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. At-home COVID test kits are widely available. Residents often keep them at home in case they get symptoms or are a close contact to a positive COVID case. But there is a right and wrong way to store them. The Food and Drug Administration has reported people injuring themselves by not using the kits correctly. Some mistook the liquid for eye drops, and others put the swab in their nose after they dipped it in the liquid. Dr. Zane Horowitz is with the Alaska Poison Center. He told KFSK's Angela Denning that the best way to store the boxes are away from children and pets and at the right temperature. I think the main thing to avoid is you know, keeping it really cold, like if it was somehow outside or, or in a room where, you know, it was exposed to environmental conditions. And uh, ideally, it should be kept at room temperature, generally about 60 to 80, 85 degrees is the range I think they're, they're using. The FDA announced that there might be some threats if people don't use the test kits appropriately, as in there's a little bit of science involved with some of the test kits where you're adding a swab to liquid or using a dropper and kind of adding liquid. Um, are, are those substances that people want to be careful with? So there's several different companies that make them, and each one's a little bit different. But there's a little eyedropper-like device in most of them that contains a liquid, and one of the preservatives uh, in that liquid is something called sodium azide which is also used in hospital labs as well. Um, you know, at full concentration, azide can be a very risky chemical, but the con- first of all, there's only about one cc or one drop of of the fluid and the concentration of the azide in it's 1% or less than a few of the kits. So that's a very, very dilute amount of sodium azide. So at that amount, I mean, even if someone accidentally swallowed the whole thing, there probably wouldn't be anything more than a little bit of burning in the mouth. Well, we've heard a few cases for, you know, reasons of just, you know, someone ran the kit and left the remaining dropper on the table where it was easy to reach of a child or somebody else perhaps thought it was an eye medicine of some sort and used that dropper in their eyes or a child grabbed it and sucked on it and got some in their mouth. I think it's pretty irritating to the eyes. And so, uh, you know, immediate first aid by, you know, getting in a shower and just rinsing all that out of your your eyes is probably the first step. Um, you know, if someone swallowed it, that's the thing just rinse your mouth out of it. But for the most part, um, we can manage these at home, you know, with rinsing and diluting uh, the chemical even further. So it sounds almost like treat these at-home COVID test kits as you would other medication. Keep them away from, say, children and pets and store them in a place that's not too hot or cold. Right. I mean, just a little bit of general common sense is is all all that it takes to use these uh, appropriately. You know, like I said, keep them away from your children, keep them away from your pets, even after you've used them. 
you know, clean it up and throw the stuff away. Don't leave it in an open garbage bin where someone might reach in or your pet may sniff around and grab a bite of it or something like that. You don't want that to happen. Pretty much uh, take it out in the trash outside and and, uh, dump it there. Dr. Zane Horowitz is with the Alaska Poison Center. He said people can always call the Alaska Poison Center 24-7 for advice, where nurses and pharmacists answer the phone. That number is 800-222-1222. Again, 800-222-1222. 26 people who work in the Capitol have tested positive for COVID-19, including four or five legislators, according to House Speaker Luis Stutz. Stutz, a Kodiak Republican, has imposed a requirement that House members wear masks during floor sessions. But three members, Republican Representatives Ben Carpenter of Nikiski, David Eastman of Wasilla, and Christopher Kirka of Wasilla, have refused to do that, and as a result, the House hasn't held a full session all week. The Legislative Council has not reintroduced a mask requirement for the entire Capitol. Last month, the council dropped mask and testing requirements for those who work in the building. In a statement Tuesday, the Republican House Minority Caucus described canceling floor sessions as a result of fear and virtue signaling. The caucus said it was present and ready to work. Stutz said she plans to resume work on the state budget on Monday. She said the House will meet each day as it finishes work on the budget. That's all for tonight's edition of the KRBD Evening Report. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Maria Dudzak.